That last song, that was fantastic. Thank you, musicians and Brother Jason. Uh, let's turn to uh, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to challenge you tonight from the Word of God, myself as well. We'll do a little self-test, a little evaluation on ourselves according to the Scriptures tonight. We're going to start um, here, uh, we'll start around verse uh, 31 in Matthew chapter 6, and then we'll get to that famous verse down in verse 33. So let's um, start verse 31. Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or whether withal shall we be clothed? For all, those, all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Let's pray one more time. My heavenly Father, I pray that the Spirit of God would illuminate your precious word to our hearts tonight, Lord. And and Lord, uh, may you freely have your way in our lives. Use this time. Lord, I surrender myself to you. If you don't help me, Lord, nothing will happen. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, do y'all pick up the contrast there in that verse? The contrast was don't act like the Gentiles, right? Well, how do the Gentiles act? Well, they worry about normal things of life, right? Worry about their clothes, and they worry about their food, and they worry about such things. And the challenge for us in verse 33 is it had that contrasting conjunction there, but. Oh, so don't act like the Gentiles, Brother David, that's what he's saying, because this is the way they act, but there is a way that the people of God are supposed to act. And there's something, by the way, I mean, the Gentiles have their concerns, what's important to them, right? And what they spend their time and energy thinking about and and uh, and in doing, and then there's the children of God. And so let's focus in on verse 33 for a second. Because first of all, you see after but, you see seek ye first. Now how many firsts generally are there? <laughs> Usually one, right? I mean, occasionally you got a tie, but there's still a first. It's just two people, right? But, but there's only one first. And so first, we're supposed to seek the kingdom of God. And in the very fact that there's a kingdom implies that there is a king. And the king is Jesus. Amen. Amen. And then it says, if, if there's a kingdom, then there's going to be a rule. Or there's going to be law. Right? And so we see here that the, the rule in the kingdom of God is His will, Brother Doug. That's what God wants. So we're to seek after His kingdom, and we do it by the rule or law, and that is God's will. Amen. And we're going to see some of the things that are God's will. And the plan here is, is that we got to put God first. So if we want to really dig into this thought, we're going to have to follow back. Because you saw in verse 31 it said, therefore. So always when you see that, you got to go figure out why it's therefore, right? And so we dig back and we, and we see that, hey, God takes care of His creation. He says even, you know, that He clothes the lily of the fields. Amen. He says even Solomon in his most beautiful attire couldn't reach up to their level. Amen. And so, 
That's, if He does that so much for them, how much more will He do for us? And then if we dig it back even further, and if we dig down and go, there's a, there's a therefore again in verse 25, so if we go back up again, we see the kingdom law of riches here. And I want to look at verse 21, we'll look at this again in a minute, but it says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And it says, The light of the body is the eye. And therefore, if thine eye be single, thou, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. I want to tell you and help you tonight with that, that eye, that single eye. That means our single focus. What are we looking at? What are we focused on here? If it's on Good, the light, the whole body is full of light. If it's evil, the whole body is full of darkness. Okay, so what are we focused on? And here's the reason why we got to have a single focus. So how are you going to how are you going to seek the kingdom of God? It's going to start with a single focus. And here's what you need to know in verse 24. Here's the reason why. It says, "No man can serve two masters." For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You, you cannot serve God and mammon. Tell you what's a powerful verse. I got to admit, the word that jumps off the page at me right there is the word can. It didn't say no man should, or no man could, or no man would. It says no man can. It's not possible. It's absolutely an impossibility. Because of the slave-master relationship and the nature thereof. Okay, so number one, the slave is to give his everything to his master. His complete obedience, all of his time and all of his energy, he has no other interest. He has no uh, ability or right to seek any other interest besides his master's. And the master has a responsibility here to provide everything that the slave needs. Everything. And you know what? There is no intermingling and there is no sharing of those responsibilities. The master doesn't serve the slave. And the slave doesn't provide for the master. It's the other way around. And he cannot get those out of order. But the point is here, there's a contrast again in here. It says you either, you have to make a choice. Who's going to be your master? Yes or yes? Okay. So now, is it going to be God or is it going to be mammon? What does it mean by mammon? Well, really, money and wealth and the things of the world. So we say, okay, if I want to choose mammon to be my master, Good luck with that, by the way. Because you know what the book of Proverbs says about that? It says in Proverbs that riches fly away. You know what else it says twice in the book of Proverbs? It says that riches will profit you not in the day of judgment. So if you're going to make that brother Kenny your master, okay, good luck with that because they have a tendency to fly away from you, number one. And number two, when you get to the end of this life, it won't profit you a bit. Okay, but if you're going to make mammon your master, and you're going to give it your time, and you're going to give it your energy, then go for it. That's, that's your Lord. Right? Or, you can choose 
to serve the true and living Lord. Amen. Now, that means, Brother Shane, that we're going to have to give Him our time and our energy. We're going to have to, we're going to, have to look to Him to be our provider. Amen? Now, that doesn't mean it escapes us from our duties, right? But it certainly means that we're looking at a different place for people, to, for us to be taken care of. And this is critical because there's a lot of believers, or maybe maybe they're professing but not possessing. I don't know, but there's just a lot of people out there. And what I see happening is they're within a church body. They say that they trust God, but then they don't put Him first. They don't seek His kingdom first. They seek mammon first. They make their choices about what kind of work they're going to do and where they're going to live and all these other things based on not God's kingdom and His will but based upon basically mammon. How can I make more, provide more? How can I advance my family in that respect? And then the problem is when it don't work out for them, Brother Doug, then they want to blame God. But that's not the way this works, you see. First, you have to make Him your master. First, you have to make Him your Lord, Brother Dean, before He's responsible to actually provide for you. See, Now, we need wisdom in this, for sure. But I'll tell you for sure, we've got to make up our mind. Who's going to be our Lord? Amen? And so, that's what I'm going to first, I'm going to challenge you with, and then I'm going to give us a little self-test here, okay? And um, and I'll say this, that, um, you know, in, in America, there's a lot of uh, materialism as Lord, certainly uh, worldly position, popularity, a whole lot of things are competing with the true and living Lord, and um, and some people seek after that and say that they really... Seek God, and they and they don't. So let's look at the word priority for a second, because it says, "Seek ye first the kingdom of God." First is priority. The word priority, until just a short time ago, Brother Stewart was actually had no plural; it only was singular. And the reason why it wasn't plural is because of its definition. It means preceding, okay, either in time or in rank or place. So I guess what I'm asking is, at what rank is God to us tonight? Amen. Where does he rank with us? Because if he's going to be a priority, that means that he's going to have to proceed and rank these other things, right? So let's go to let's go to Luke chapter fourteen, and we'll look at uh, we'll look at some things here and see what the difference is between a disciple and a follower. And I don't have I don't have a problem with a lot of people saying that they're a follower of the Lord follower of the Lord Jesus because the Lord Jesus said that my sheep follow me and they hear my voice and they know me. There's nothing wrong with that. But you know what? We're not to be just a follower only. We're also to be a disciple. We're to be, you know what disciple means, right? What does that mean? It means a learner. Didn't Jesus say, come unto me, for I am meek and lowly of heart? He said, learn of me. See, Is there a, is there a school of Christ? Absolutely. And you know what? This school's got a couple of different uh, levels or aspects to it. There is a, an intellectual knowledge that we need to have about who Jesus Christ is, Brother Kate. Amen? But then, you know what? That's just intellectual. And that's helpful. But it becomes experiential when it starts, we actually see who He is working in our life. Now, that's a different. Amen. That's totally different kind of relationship. Y'all agree? I mean, you can see that the Lord, He's provider. But boy, then when you really need it, 
and he comes through, you say, yes, he is. Amen. I knew he was before, but now I've seen it. I know he is. Amen. And he takes care of me. So, so let's look at what Jesus said about being a disciple here in Luke chapter 14. Let's look at verse 25. It says, And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, I think that great multitude there is interesting because, Brother Brock, it looks like the Lord sees this great multitude following him and he just turns around and he starts to really put it on them, to be honest with you. It looks like he's trying to run some people off me, Brother Tucker. It does. I mean, if you ever studied the ministry of the Lord Jesus, a lot of people left him because he wouldn't compromise the truth for them. And he exposed their false motives. You see that even in churches. You know, a lot of people come and some of them don't stay because they're just not... They don't like something. Maybe the truth offends them, you know, and that happens. But you can't change the truth for that. Verse 26 says, If any man come to me and hate not his father and his and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Well, the Lord Jesus got a great multitude following him, and then he turns around and tells them that? I mean, that's like, man, forget it. You know, I mean, it looks like what he's, he's doing here. Look at verse 27. And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Look at verse 33. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, cannot he cannot be my disciple. It is full surrender or not at all. In other words, full surrender. If you want to learn of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you want to move to the next level with Him, what the Lord is telling us here is that there's a cost to be paid. That means these other things can't can not occupy the first place of our life, and that's what He's saying. I mean, He's obviously not telling us that we're to hate them in a sense of of hatred or malice against our family. What He's saying in comparison to me, you have to put them in their proper place, which is below me. We have to put the Lord first. And then these other things fall into their place naturally and good and right. But you can't put them ahead. If we put them ahead, that's when we get in trouble. And I think you, you know the, the story from Genesis chapter 24 where Isaac began to encroach in, the, in, in Abraham's heart upon that place that only the Lord had on the throne of his heart. And, they, and the Bible says that God tempted Abraham. He was testing him. He was trying him to see. And he found out what he knew is that he was first. Amen? And that's what Jesus is saying to us here. He says, there's a difference. And if you're going to be my disciple, if you're going to be my, uh, more than just a follower, if you're going to really know me, because there's a lot of people, we've met a lot of people that we don't really know. Do you all agree with that? Last year, I had the opportunity to meet, shake hands, and talk for a minute with Senator Ted Cruz. That was a great honor for me. But I don't know him. I've met him. I know his name, but I don't know him. I don't know that much about him. You know what I'm saying? Jesus is saying, there's a lot of people that just know my name, and they know a little bit about me, but he said, my disciples, they really know me. And that's where we're going to try to get to tonight. But we have to forsake all. And it's a willful and a joyful forsaking. So let's look at some areas here where we can do a little self-test on us to see where God's at. What place is He in our life? And uh, where does He rank with us? So 
The first thing, and, and Brother Roger has, has, has uh, preached on this again. This will be a review, but just evaluate yourself and see how we're coming along on this. So the first thing I'm going to ask you is, 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 does Jesus get priority? Does he get the first place of your time? Of your time. And there's different things I'm going to ask you about. Like, does he get the first place of every day? Does Jesus get the first place of our day? And that's what uh, Brother Roger has taught us. That is what he called me time. This is God and me time. There's nobody else around. It's just God and me, the first of every day, me giving him my devotion, me giving him my worship, and, and me listening to him as he speaks to me. Through His Word and through His Spirit in prayer. Amen. I devote my time to Him. That's why it's called a devotion. I come to Him with that Spirit. And then, of course, and, and y'all are here on Sunday night, so the second one ought to be hopefully a good check. You can check this one off. But do I give Him the first part of every week? Right? So what do we do on the first part of the week? We gather together. Now, that's the first thing. We're commanded to do that, remember? Okay, in in, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. But in verse 24, it says there's a little bit more to it than that. It says you're supposed to provoke one another unto love and good works. So in other words, now, Brother Zach, are we just showing up or are we preparing to show up? In other words, when I get here, do I just get here and I think I've... Here we are. Here I am, Lord. Again. Boy, I'm not faithful. No. There's a preparation to prepare our own hearts to receive, and there's a, there's a, a submission of ourselves for God to use us while we're here. Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's more about more than us, by the way, in case we hadn't picked up on that already. God has a reason for us to be here. He's brought us together, and it ain't just so that we can uh, get, you know, to feel good about ourselves. It's here to know Him and to, and to help one another and to be used of God to do a few different things. For instance, uh, like sometimes, He might want to use us to encourage somebody. Don't you think? Yeah? And sometimes he might want to use this for other reasons. So we'll talk about that in a second. But the, the third thing, so not only do we give him, that's we time. Uh, we had me time, that's God and me. And then we had we time, that's God and us, okay? And then we've got uh, what I'll call knee time. And that means does God get the first place in every decision? Does he, do you take time to go to God in every major decision of your life first? Or do you go to God and ask Him to bless it or fix it after the fact, right? So first, it's, an, it's, it's need time. We've got to spend some time in prayer recognizing God's rank with us. Amen. And then, what about our thoughts? So if God's got the first place of our time, now does He have the first place in our thoughts? Let's go to Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to look at a couple of verses over here. Colossians chapter 3. We're talking about seeking first the kingdom of God and putting God first. So the title of this message is God First with a question mark. Is God first? That's the question. Chapter 3 of Colossians gives us some things about our thought life here. Verse 1, it says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. 
I'll say that there's no man that's ever set and developed affections without thoughts first. In other words, when you saw that woman, okay, when you thought about her and then you had affections for her. And so our thought life is to be turned up. It's to be turned up to seeking the Lord and, and seeking things of, of the Lord and seeking things of heaven, seeking things that are above. And with that thought life, we've got to look beyond time and look even to eternity. And then there are some specific things in Philippians. Go back to your left a few pages, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And let's look at some things that we're supposed to think about. And again, now if our thoughts lead to actions, and they do then look at what kind of actions do you think you're going to get out of these type of thoughts. Look at what it says in verse 8. I'm going to skip over some of the words and we're going to hit the things he tells us to think about where he says, Brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of a good report, with virtue, praiseworthy. Think on these things. Now what kind of actions will we get if those were our thoughts? You think it would be good or bad? Think on good things, you get good actions. You get good behaviors. Our thought life is where it begins. So are we giving God first place in our thought life? That's the question we need to think about. Okay, And then we're going to move to number three. So we said God needs priority in our time. He needs priority in our thoughts. And he, what about our treasures? Matthew chapter 6. Remember I told you we'd come back to that one. Matthew chapter 6 verse 21. It says that for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I think the order there is is somewhat remarkable. It seems if I was writing it, Brother Tucker, I'd turn it around. I'd say where your heart is, there's where your treasure is. Okay, But that's not what the Lord said. He said where your treasure is. He said that's where your heart really is. See, This is how we really get down to it. Let me check out your checkbook, okay? And we'll see, let me see your credit card statement. We'll figure out what's really important to you, amen? And so, Malachi chapter 3, we won't go there, but you know, that's the chapter where God got on to the, the priest there for robbing him. And they said, well, wherein have we robbed God? And he said, in tithes and offerings. So the first place, does God get the first place in our tithes and offerings? And I mean, you guys are faithful givers. Thank God for you. You know, just don't let up. Keep checking yourself and see, am I putting God first? And by the way, it's because, it, it, because of the love we have for God, right? People talk about, you know, the tithe. Uh, is that a New Testament uh, doctrine? Well, it's a principle. It's a Bible principle. It existed before the law was ever written goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 14. And, and Abraham gave a tithe unto Melchizedek, recognizing his superior or superiority of, over him. And, um, and so the tithe, God clearly said, belongs to him. That hadn't changed. You understand the tithe is the first tenth of, of what you receive. The first tenth of your increase. But then there's the offering. The tithe and the offering are not the same, right? I think you guys understand this, okay? But just in case there's not clarity there, the offering is what you give above the tithe. Amen? So the tithe is God's. If you don't give that, you rob God. And an offering is something free above that that you give, okay? Because you love God and the work of God. You want to be involved in it. And you believe in eternal rewards. (laughs) I do. Amen? Amen? 
I certainly do. So there's a, there's an exciting opportunity for us to put our treasures, to show through our treasures that we, that God, we are seeking first the kingdom of God. And I know some of you guys have been here, like myself, for a long time. Been involved in the work of missions and giving for a long time. And if you go back and add it all up, if it even mattered, you probably got a substantial amount of money invested in missions. Well, let me tell you, God knows. Amen. I, I don't regret a bit. I've never regretted a cent that I gave to missions. Not one time. And you know what? Even when I gave in our previous church and when we left, I never thought that was a waste, ever. I said, that was, I did what God wanted me to. You know, and because of that, I believe God will honor that. And God will use it. And hey, he gave it all to me anyway. Ain't like I got anything on my own. Right? Just, just blessed to be involved in the process and what God's doing. And then the last thing I'm going to, or i got two things we're going to challenge you with here at the end. What about your talents? So we got first in your time, first in your thoughts, first in your treasures. What about your talent? So let's look at different areas where we, we all have ability. We all have something that God's given us. And let's look at how we use it in the world. How do we use our abilities and our talents to influence others for the kingdom of God? You look at what Brother Dwayne was talking about tonight. These missionaries, they're just always looking for an opportunity to get involved in people's lives for the sake of Christ. Well, why, why can't we do that right here? It's like, we got to go somewhere else to do that? No, we can do that right here. Just be available. Look for ability to use our talents. It might be a physical talent or a skill. It might be your personality. Maybe you just get along well with people. Maybe people trust you. Maybe uh, you, you like being around people and they're just attracted to you. you got a charismatic personality or whatever it is. Use it. Put God first in it and let God use you with it. Amen. And then what about in your family? Lead by example in your family. Live by faith. Put God first in your family. Set the example for the next generation. You know, I, you know not all my kids have, you know, as Brother Roger says, uh, they haven't all left the runway yet in their lives, okay? I mean, they're still, they're still taxiing, in my opinion. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they're out of the house, but they're not really completely on their own. And one day they will be, and we'll see how they fly. But, but what we want is we want to have a good testimony before them and before God of that we put God first in our home. Yeah. Amen? And that, that ultimately shows up in the things that you value. Do you value the Word of God? Do you value uh, you know, being here at the house of God, of course? But more than that, what do they see in you? Do you consider you know, the things that you do and you don't do because you love God and you put Him first? I think that comes through in our homes. I think it will have a difference for our kids. I'm trusting that. I really am. And then what about um, at the church? So in our home, this applies, and in our church, this applies, that you know what, if we show up with an attitude of gratitude and thankful for God's mercy, I think that goes a long ways in both places. I mean, I think that's always appropriate. I'll tell you what else is always appropriate, humility. Because God, thankfully, God's drawn to humility. He really is. I had a friend of mine call me this week, and he had a situation with his daughter who's like maybe around 18 years old in their youth group. He lives up in North Carolina. And uh, yeah, it really was kind of a... Probably not the best situation. What happened there? Leadership probably made some made a mistake. And he's like, "What? How should I handle this?" 
I said, humility. Humility. Have your daughter go to the youth leader with humility and ask, how can she do better? How can she please the youth leader more? And then I think God will honor that. And then go from there. So there, there is a way that we use our talents. And in the church, we shouldn't come with a presumptive attitude. You understand what I mean? Because you perceive that you have a gift or ability or a talent doesn't mean that it has to be used. That the church is like obligated now to, oh, you must use me because I'm gifted. I can, I can preach, I can teach, I can sing, I can dance, I don't know, whatever you do, okay? So that doesn't mean that, you know, all of a sudden we all bow down and step aside and let you do your thing. No, it's not the way it works. I mean, when I came here in 2000. And two, um, you know, before I came here, I had some I had some responsibility in a previous church, and I was I was teaching adult Sunday school, and I was an ordained deacon, and uh, and teaching masters club on Wednesday nights, you know, and you know what I did, brother Tucker, when I got here, I sat down right there. Actually, I was like on the third pew. Brother Ed, I think, was in front of me initially. I I bumped him out and moved up later, but. I sat down right there. Initially, actually, I started in the back, back where, kind of where Jamie is now, and then I worked my way up here. But nonetheless, I put myself in here in a position where I could learn and grow because I knew that's what God wanted for me. And then when the time was right, after I'd been here for a year or two, I went to uh, Brother Chris Lumpkin, who was leading the, the youth department at that time, and I said, Brother Chris, I said, I'm available to help you in any way that you need. And he said, oh, that's great, brother. He said, take these three teenage boys right here and work through this book of discipleship with them. I said, okay. And I did and enjoyed it and thank God for the opportunity. And then uh, just over February, the next year, he uh, was 2005, Brother Chris left. And so God just kind of said, okay, here you go. And now I've had the privilege of working with the youth here for... 18 years. What a, what a blessing. But you've got to wait. Be patient. Wait on God. Wait for the opportunities. When God gives you, then you step through the door. Ask how you can help. How can you serve? In your home and in the church. I have to deal with this at the prison too. You know, honestly, I'd like to have more opportunities to preach there. But I serve the chaplain. And when the chaplain says, Brother Lewis, come and preach, I say, yes, sir. And when he doesn't, I don't say nothing. <laughs> I don't. I just wait. Or I send him an email and say, Hey, brother, I'm available. If anybody ever can't make it, call on me. Let me know. That's it. That's the way it goes. And he knows that, and he will call upon me sometimes when that happens. And I, and I thank God for the opportunities. And then the last thing. We're almost done. I know y'all had brisket today, so I'm going to keep you too late. <laughs> I know how that goes. How about our testimony? Does God get first place in our testimony? I wish I was better at, at bringing God into the conversations quicker. You know, bringing God into the conversation. Looking for an opportunity when you're having a conversation to bring God into it. You know, and um, I think our testimony has, has power. I think, I think you need to have a testimony, first of all. 
You know, I mean, if you're not saved, you don't have a testimony. And the, the guy I preach with on Monday nights in the prison, he always says, if you don't have a testimony, you're not saved, get saved and get a testimony. Then share it. Amen. And that's, that's the way it goes. You, you need to have a testimony. And your testimony needs to include the gospel about how you got saved by trusting Christ by faith. And then maybe about how God changed your life, okay? But this ain't no, uh, you know, self-help program. This is I, I, all help. It's all Him. It ain't none me. He did all everything. So it's got to you got to include the gospel in your testimony. Somehow you have to get to the point along the way where you can actually tell them about what happened. How did things change for you? It was because of Christ and because of Him saving me. That He is the Savior of the world. He made the payment for my sin. I just trusted Him by faith. Believe the record that He that God gave us in the book about Him. I believe this. Put my faith and trust in Him, and God did the rest. Amen. And man, I tell you what, Romans chapter six tells us that if we do get saved, it says that you know what? Then we we got a testimony of baptism where we identify with Him, and then it says you know what? We're to be resurrected with Him, and to walk in newness of life. So there's supposed to be some change in our lives after we get saved. I don't know when you got saved. I got saved when I was 30 years old. There were some things that changed at my house after living 30 years without knowing the Lord. Can you imagine some things changed? Yeah, but they better. I mean, and they did. And I thank God for that. And, um, and then it tells us down in, chapter, in Romans chapter 6 that, you know, now we have a choice of who we serve. You know, before we got saved, we didn't have a choice. We were servants of sin. Because that's who we were. We were sinners. But now we're saved. And God's given us this wonderful choice now to be able to serve Him. We can serve Him and serve righteousness. But we also can choose not to. And that's where we want to make sure and check up on ourselves. And I'll say this. that How do you feel about being a slave? It's totally dependent upon how you feel about your master. You know, even in forced slavery here in America... There were, there were slaves that loved and enjoyed serving their master. George Washington had a guy like that, a guy named William. And uh, you can read about him in history, okay? But, but there were some that, even to an earthly master, they had a good master. And because of that, they were honored to be in the position and that was forced initially, at least. You know, and in the Old Testament, you know, you had that indentured slavery, that indentured servitude for seven years, and then you could leave freely. But you know what? Some of them, Brother David, chose to stay, and they put that all and cut that hole in their ear to mark it. They were a bond servant. That means they were doing it because they wanted to, not because they had to. And that's what the Lord is looking for from us. Amen? Now, turn to Acts chapter 10, our last verse, because I need y'all... Now, I don't know if you mark in your Bible or not, but uh, you should. You need to make a choice here, and you need to make a mark in your Bible right here. In Acts chapter 10, this is the story of, uh, of Peter and the vision that he receives of the sheet coming down with these animals on it. And uh, we see in verse 13, this voice comes to Peter. And it says, And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Now Peter knew who this voice was, and we know that from the next verse, but look what it says in verse 14. But Peter said, Not so, Lord. Is there anything wrong with that phrase to you? I think they call that an oxymoron. 
How can you say no if He's really your Lord? Is that possible? Because to me, it's either, Brother Bradley, it's either yes and Lord, or it's no and not Lord. So here's what I'm going to challenge you for. Look at that phrase. Not so, Lord. Now, which part of that phrase do you mark out? Do you mark out Lord, where you're still going to be in charge and make your decisions? Or do you mark out not so and leave Lord there and let Jesus be who He really is, who He wants to be, which is Lord of your life? See, He's Lord of all. He wants to be Lord of our life. He wants to be in complete control. So a little self-check tonight, just to see, is there some area of our life where we're, we're holding something back, we're still Lord of it, we're saying, not so, Lord, not here, not now, this is more important, I need to, I need to do this, Lord, I've got to take care of my family, I've got to do whatever. Is there something maybe that the Lord's touched on tonight with us that you say, I need to come up here and say, you're Lord. Your Lord. So we're going to have a word of invitation if we get some Christy to come to the piano. This will be an opportunity for you to tell the Lord again, hopefully, that He's the Lord of your life. If there's something He's put His finger on, confess it, repent of it, and make Him Lord over that area as well. And if you've never been saved, what a great night to be saved, to make Jesus actually Lord and Savior of your life. We'll have a word of prayer and then the altars will be open.